This is the Cubicle Renegade podcast, session number four. Welcome to the Cubicle Renegade podcast, where unfulfilled desk jockeys become fearless entrepreneurs. Learn from corporate escapees and world changers who are successfully building businesses that matter. Here's your host, Caleb Wojcik. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Cubicle Renegade podcast. Today's guest is Devin Mills, who blogs at AnsweringOliver.com. I first met Devin last June at Jenny Blake's book tour, the night before we both went down to the World Domination Summit in Portland that Chris Gillibo puts on each year. Even though she was already talking about her eventual world travels, I knew she was going to do it, and she just got done traveling full-time for about three months. She went to New Zealand, Australia, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, and we'll discuss a little bit about her travels in this episode. So thanks for joining us, Devin. Thanks for having me, Caleb. Yeah, absolutely. So before we dive into your world adventures that I just talked about, what was your traditional education and professional background? Well, I'm from Seattle, uh, so I went to the University of Washington and Mm -hmm. studied journalism. So I did a lot of reporting internships at small local community newspapers where I was, you know, writing articles and interviewing people. Um, And I also did a copy editing internship at the Seattle Times. So while I was going to school, I kind of had the idea that I was going to work in news. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, we all know, you know, I graduated in 2009 and around that time, journalism was really starting to be like collapsing. And, you know, Seattle used to have two major papers, the, the Times and the PI, and the PI shut down. Um, except for their web component. And so that wasn't a very good sign for, for going into journalism. And at the same time, you know, I was graduating college. People were saying, oh, congratulations, but good luck finding a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I these, those two items, you know, thinking there's no way I'm going to get a job in journalism and I'd be lucky if I get a job, period. It left me kind of desperate. So I kind of uh, just went for the first job that I got offered, um, which I saw as as kind of a miracle. And it was a proofreading job at an advertising agency. And the agency was doing really well um, and paid really good money, you know, unlike unlike a job I would find in news. Mm -hmm. So I sort of went with the safe bet from the beginning. um, And I wound up working there for just over two years. Okay. And so were you satisfied in that job? I, like I said, I was, uh, felt really lucky at the beginning and maybe even for the whole first year, you know, this is great. I'm getting paid really well. I'm doing something that I, I was really good at. Proofreading mm-hmm. is one of my strengths and, you know, getting paid for it. Worked with great people, had a great boss, loved my boss. Um, yeah. So for maybe the first half of the time I worked there, so I was pretty happy. Um, and then I started, I, I found Chris Gillibo. I found his website, Art of Nonconformity, and read his first book and started thinking more about travel and, and just a different kind of life outside of, of what I had, you know, in my cubicle at the time. Um, and that was really the first time I thought about traveling as an option for me. Growing up, my family wasn't very well-to-do. We didn't take vacations like, like my friends did. And I just thought travel would never be in the cards for me. Um, but after college, I, I paid off all my debt and began saving thanks to my well-paid job. And I, I realized that I was in control now. And, and if travel, if I wanted to travel, that I could make it happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I liked the job. Like I said, good money, great coworkers. The work itself was fairly easy. Mm-hmm. But I began to feel unfulfilled. Um, 
just because, you know, I love to write. Um, and that wasn't something I got to do in my job. I, I didn't feel like I had much opportunity to be, to be creative at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was mostly just correcting other people's creative work. Right. Um, and so I felt like my creativity and some, some other things I'm talented at uh, were suppressed in that job. And, you know, that's not something when you go home every day that you feel good about. So, um, and I also realized just because of the type of money I was making, I realized I, I could easily get roped into working there for years and years and years just because it was so safe. You know, I had plenty of money to live on my own and, and buy some nice things for myself and still enough to save. You know, a lot of people would kill just for that, just for that type of security. Um, and I kind of started to realize that the longer I stayed, the harder it would be to leave. And I might never get to do the type of travel that I wanted to. What was the hardest part about leaving? Oh, it was definitely <laughs> because I went through after college a period, a really intense period of about six months of paying off all my debt, where all I focused on was personal finance and saving and, you know, being secure for the future. Definitely the hardest part was leaving that, you know, secure, nice paycheck and, um, and the 401k match mm-hmm. I was really focused on for some reason because I'm like, I got to be smart for retirement, you know? So that was definitely the hardest part. And also, um, you know, that's kind of all I knew after college. Like that was my first job after college. I worked there for two years. I liked my coworkers. I was on the company softball team. So I was really kind of integrated and, and I ended up being sad to leave the people and Mm -hmm. feel like I was, you know, transitioning out of that portion of my life. And I cried a lot leading up to the decision to leave. And I cried a lot on my last day. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't any easy by any means. Was that out of fear? Oh, fear and just general ch- general change, you know, mm-hmm. just change is sad sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> feeling like you're, you're leaving one portion of your life and moving on to the next. And yeah, also fear, thinking, okay, in a year, am I going to regret this decision? Am I going to look back, you know, not be able, you know, do my traveling thing, lose all my money traveling? come back, not be able to find a job and think I was really stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, fearing that I would regret the decision. Um, but then once I, I put in my notice, I gave them a month's notice just so they would have ample time because I didn't want to leave any bad taste in anyone's mouth. Gave them a month's notice. I had my last day at the end of uh, November 2011. And once I left, I felt such a relief. Um, most of the fear was leading up to leaving my job. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I any any sort of fear I had about traveling itself was nothing compared to the fear I had of just leaving my job. Mm-hmm. So that was like the hardest step to take for sure. So how long did it take from first wanting to travel and starting to think about quitting your job to travel to actually doing it? And how long were you saving for that? Mm. Um, well, I'd say it was... September 2010 that I first started reading uh, Art of Nonconformity and and kind of thinking for the first time, okay, this travel thing might be possible for me. And then um, in June 2011 was, was the World Domination Summit, and that was kind of the catalyst where I met so many people who actually had lived that and were traveling the world and, you know, answered all my questions and made me feel so much better 
just to talk to someone face to face about it was so comforting and and saying hey you know this is real like you can do this too and and so that was kind of the first time I started believing it was possible and then I really I made the decision the hard and fast decision uh, that September to quit um, and held out until the very end of October because I I got a big bonus at my job at the mm-hmm. end of October so literally the day I after the check cleared out my bonus, I handed in my notice. <laughs> yeah. So um, really from, from June to, I guess, September, just under six months for, for really believing that I could do it. Yeah, and I think that I took a similar path. I had about a year, I would say, to get through the whole process of, you know, starting to think about this opportunity of not having something safe all the time to actually making it a reality. And and there were definitely catalysts for change and people that influenced me. Who were some of the people that you talked to at WDS or otherwise that had been doing it that inspired you? Well, the the weirdest coincidence, the first person I met on the train from Seattle down to Portland for the conference, um, right across the aisle from me on the train were Jody Ettenberg, who writes the blog Legal Nomads, and Shannon O'Donnell, whose blog is called A Little Adrift. And they had both just flown in from... I think Thailand, like they were literally straight from, you know, Asia coming Mm -hmm. and flew into Seattle and then took the train down to Portland. And they overheard me talking about the conference, just telling my seatmate what it was all about. And they were like, oh, hey, we're going too. And we ended up chatting the whole train ride. And they were literally like the best people I could have possibly met because those are exactly the type of people, solo female travelers, that I needed to talk to um, to be encouraged enough to take that leap. So I would say that was, you know, just huge for me. Mm-hmm. And why did you specifically want to travel alone? I wanted to travel alone just because, to me, it seemed like the ultimate challenge and the ultimate adventure. Um, I haven't always been a very adventurous person, and that might surprise some people who read my blog because I all I write about is like, you know, running a marathon and skydiving and bungee jumping and doing all this crazy stuff. But that is, that's all very recent in the last, you know, couple years post-college. Um, so I really wanted to challenge myself with it. I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. Um, I didn't want to have someone else there that I would, you know, feel dependent on, you know, run to that person and say, hey, I'm having a hard time. Like, can you do this? Can you do that? I wanted to, to challenge myself to make sure, you know, just I could do it. And, and I had never traveled by myself before. I did kind of a little mini test trip where I went to New York City for a weekend, like a long weekend by myself, just to see if I would even like it. And I I stayed with a friend, you know, that I met at the World Domination Summit, Jacob Sokol. I stayed with him in in, uh, Queens Mm -hmm. and, you know, learned the subway, took the subway into the city and wandered around and didn't have very many things planned and just had the time of my life, really. And that was kind of the the way I I realized, yeah, I I can do this um, by myself. And, And also... Um, I didn't want to make any compromises with a travel partner. I mm-hmm. wanted to make it my trip and make my own decisions, you know, choose my own activities and where I wanted to stay and if I wanted to stay somewhere for a few more days or just leave. Like, I just wanted it to be completely up to me because I've never, never had that before. So. so some people think that full-time travel is something you could do indefinitely was it what you expected and could you last as long as you thought you would be able to well I ended up coming home for a bit after three months um 
which came about because I actually got really homesick and that was very unexpected. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say, yeah, it it was what I expected, but it also wasn't. Um, so like I said, I, I got unexpectedly homesick about halfway through like a month and a half in really missed my family and just Seattle. Like I've grown up here and, and really started to appreciate it more while I was overseas. Um, I got lonely at times, which I, I guess I expected, but I tend to like being alone a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. But then when I do get lonely, I need, you know, the people I love around me. Um, and then also just travel fatigue, which I didn't, didn't really expect, but I probably should have, which was, you know, moving from city to city, starting to lose that feeling of like, wow, this is really special. Um, just because it, became the norm and uh, I really needed to kind of slow down a little bit which is what I did in Thailand in my last country and uh, stayed in cities longer and and um, and felt more like a real person instead of someone who's just constantly packing their bag and trying to catch the next train um, so yeah and then and then the parts that were what I what I expected was you know all the adventures I had meeting new people, learning about new cultures and just discovering new cities, eating lots of amazing food, um, and learning really how to roll with the punches. Like I had some travel snafus where, you know, I had, I showed up for my train and it was canceled and then all the buses were canceled and I had to catch a flight in the city I was supposed to go to. And, you know, just all these things where things didn't go quite how I expected, but I managed to keep my cool and figure it out. And that's something I wouldn't have been able to do before because mm -hmm. I would have just broken down and cried. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and also just learning how to live with, with very few belongings in a backpack. Like, I really enjoyed that aspect of it as well. So um, I'm really, really glad I did it. You know, I like, could not have had a better time even with the homesickness and everything because it even that just taught me a lot. It taught me how much – I need to be close to my family and how much I love my friends and how much I love my hometown. Mm -hmm. And I would really echo one piece you touched on there, which is slowing down when you travel and staying in places longer. When my wife and I did a three-month road trip all over the United States, you know, we tried to pick select places that we stayed in for like a minimum of two or three days to even a week because, yes, we could have seen more and maybe this was the only opportunity for this or something like that, but really to, you know, give yourself some, you know, some schedule and some, you know, just some, some time to slow down is really important. I mean, you spend so much time going in between places when you try to hit so much stuff that you don't enjoy the places that you go to. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a weird thing to feel, I guess you'd call it like traveler's guilt where you're like, oh, I should be doing this. Mm -hmm. I should be doing that. But then you really have to, to, get real with yourself and say, is that what I really want to do? Or do I really just need to chill for a day? You know, and that's mm -hmm. fine. Um, you kind of have to, to level up, you know, your expectations with what you really need and, uh, and not worry about, you know, a real traveler would be doing this. Like, no, just, just do whatever you want to do. It's your trip. You're meant to enjoy it. So, and that's, that's what I learned throughout my trip as well. Mm -hmm. So do you have more traveling left in you, you think? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, whether it's the same type of taking off from by myself for months at a time with a backpack or or just, you know, little trips sprinkled throughout a year or something like that. Um, because I realized what makes travel, for me at least, what makes travel really special, among other things, 
is that it's different from my normal life. You know, it's different, different from just being in Seattle. And, and that's kind of what makes it special. You know, if you have a vacation planned, um, you look forward to it for months and months, and then you have the time in your life while you're on vacation. But for travel, like I said, you get that travel, or at least I got that travel fatigue just after a few months. And mm-hmm. so I think I might be more well-suited to shorter trips um, bookended by, I guess what you would say, like my old life or, or real life or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. And I read a, lot, a ton of blogs of people who have made traveling their life. You know, that's what they do. They just travel. They've started their own businesses. And, you know, they use their, they've monetized their blogs and make good money writing about travel. And, and I thought going into this, you know, maybe I could be one of those people too. Um, but I realized, you know, that's maybe not for me and that's okay too. Um, I thought while I was traveling, I thought a lot and talked a lot with other travelers about work. You know, we all talked about what we used to do and then maybe what we want to do when we go back. And I realized, you know, maybe I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I know the types of things I would want in a job that I was missing in my in my previous job. And, you know, I'm looking for some a job that challenges me, that encourages my creativity, that gives me room to grow. And, you know, I'd love to work for a company that I really believe in, that, that improves people's lives. And if I were to find a job like that, you know, even if it was a, a cubicle job, because I think the cubicle's gotten a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really just a workspace, like any other workspace. But it has grown to represent, you know, like the movie Office Space, that menial work that you're mm-hmm. trapped in. Um, but I think if you have a job that that gives you things that fulfill you, and at the end of the day, you're proud of what you've done, and you can go home and maybe be excited to go back the next day, then that's fine. Um, so, yeah, I might not be your uh, typical entrepreneur that you that you tend to interview, but I, I guess I represent a different kind of person that really enjoys travel, but also um, really enjoys kind of the conventional work as well. Mm-hmm. So even if, if I find a, a great job, you know, and, and I don't think I'd like to think that I, I wouldn't get myself in a financial position where I'd have to settle for a job that, that would give me anything less than that. Um, but I know it's tough, and and again, I get in the mindset of like, oh, I'd be grateful for any job, but really, I want to kind of make a better decision this time. Mm-hmm. I think no matter what I'm doing, even if I'm working, I'd still love to do a few significant trips per year to explore new countries. I'm definitely not done with the world yet. So, what kind of budget did you set for this these three months, and did you spend more or less than you thought you would? Oh gosh, so. I'm- <laughs> So when I quit my job, I had about $30,000 saved up. I had really planned to stay at my job for another year to, to save up a more closer to like 50000 because mm-hmm. whatever for whatever reason, that was the arbitrary number I felt comfortable with. And then I literally just got so frustrated at work and really thought about, I could leave and travel now if I want to. And then I decided that was the right thing to do for me. So it uh, started out with thirty. I was still in Seattle for two months, not working, um, and just planning my trip full time um, so that once I had paid for my initial one-way ticket to New Zealand, bought all my travel gear, bought my travel insurance, gotten all my shots, all my preparations set, I had about Mm $26,000. And as far as spending goes and keeping track of my money, 
as I went, I kind of didn't. (laughs) I saw a lot of people, a lot of people I met were on strict, you know, per day budgets or per week budgets. And I kind of just was just like, well, I want to have fun, you know. So New Zealand was my first country. I kind of just went nuts and did every, you know, extreme sports activity you could think of doing and and didn't go crazy. You know, I ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that I made myself and mm-hmm. stayed in the cheapest hostels I could find and stuff like that. And then at the end, you know, as I moved on to Australia, I looked back on the finances of New Zealand. I spent about $2,500 there, which was like more than I expected. But then I just didn't regret anything either. And uh, same with Australia. I think I spent a little bit more. But I just did really awesome stuff. And I haven't really looked back on the uh, the Southeast Asia portion of my trip yet. Um, so I guess I would say I spent a little more, but I had a hell of a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really regret any of it. And and to me, it wasn't stupid stuff. You know, I wasn't going out to the bar and dropping 100 bucks a night or anything like that. I was, you know, doing, you know, scuba diving and bungee jumping and, and really cool stuff that I just wouldn't have the opportunity to do back home. Um, so, yeah, I definitely have have plenty of money left for further travel, but mm-hmm. I also have to weigh um, the factor of I don't want to blow all my money on travel and get down to zero dollars, you know, and right. then try to find a job. I want to still be responsible and have a good chunk of money in my savings um, to where I don't don't get into a situation where I feel ever stuck in a job. You know, I, I never want that to be the case. I want to always uh, build build my life in such a way where I have freedom, freedom to leave if I need, if I want to, or if I need to. So what would you say to someone that's sitting in their cubicle and maybe they're where you're at a year or so ago and they're, they're dreaming of traveling and they want to make it happen, but they're not sure how to do it. What would you say to encourage them? Um, I would say, you know, in my situation, I think I was really, really lucky um, in the fact that I was able to pay off my debt fairly quickly in, in about six months and then um, really had a job in a, in a living situation and whatnot that allowed me to save really quickly as well. But, you know, even if even if it doesn't seem like it'd be so easy, and it wasn't easy, it was simple in, in that I had to lay out a plan and follow it and mm-hmm. not let, let my urges to, you know, buy this or that get in the way. Um, but it's definitely not easy. So I would say if that's what you really want to do, the main thing is to make it your top priority. You know, look at look at your spending and your saving and say, this is my priority. What What is everything I need to do to make this possible? Um, because that's that's what I did for a long time. I didn't, didn't go out with my friends, didn't do fun activities, you know, didn't spend any money that wasn't necessary. And that's kind of how I got to where I was. And, you know, there are things that will get in the way, you know, family emergencies or an illness or whatever that might set you back. But really the only thing preventing you from doing whatever it is you want to do is is not being able to set your sights on a single goal and really give it everything you got. So, and I'd say too, you know, if you're scared, whether it's wanting to go travel or do something else, then that's even better. That'll make it even more satisfying when you reach your goal and and finally do it. It's awesome. <laughs> well, awesome. Thanks so much for being on, Devin. I, I love to hear stories of people that, you know, that they are afraid and that they 
you know, they, they take the leap, they take some risk and they, you know, become adventurous when they're not adventurous types or do things that they're, you know, that they're, that they're scared of. And, and I think it, it takes a lot of guts to do it and it's inspiring to hear the steps you took to make it really happen. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Caleb. And, and I really think overall the experiences, you know, now that I'm back in Seattle and I have been for a few weeks and I'm back to, you know, regular life for a while, I guess. I feel definitely that I'm a more confident person. I'm like bolder overall and, and more adventurous. And, and I think, you know, when and if I get a job again, I feel like it'll translate into that as well. The, the challenges I had to tackle while I was traveling will certainly translate into a working situation. And yeah, it was definitely more than worth it. And I encourage anyone to do the same if that's what they want. <laughs> Well, awesome. Thanks so much, Devin. And uh, I'll see you next month at WDS. Yeah, I can't wait to see you and catch up, Caleb. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, take care. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to the Pocket Changed Cubicle Renegade podcast at www.pocketchanged.com. To read this episode's show notes or check out other sessions, head over to cubiclerenegade.com.